This is Made to Conquer, a podcast designed to inspire you to have a deep relationship with Jesus. Jesus told us to make every effort to enter through the narrow door so that when we stand before him, we hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hello, everyone. This is Tiana Showy, and welcome to the podcast Made to Conquer. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I, I say that, and I genuinely mean that when I say that. I do not script these podcasts out. I spend a lot of time preparing for them, but I do not script them. So when I say that, I'm not saying it because I'm reading from a script. I'm saying it because I'm speaking from my heart. It really is such a privilege to share this journey with you and to have this opportunity just to dig into God's word with you. Again, the purpose of this podcast is I just believe that the gift that God has given me and asked me to share with my body, my brothers and sisters, is the gift of encouragement, just to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. I'm not going to go into this too deeply, but you know, one of the one of the things that I struggle with, I should say, that that really frustrates me is just this religious spirit. And the religious spirit is working opposite of what I'm trying to do, which is draw you closer to Jesus, draw you into a more intimate relationship with him. So you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So you have the discernment of the spirit. This is talked about in the book of Corinthians. It's talked about in the book of James, test the spirits, James says. So when we're faced with all the things that we're dealing with in this life, we we approach them with God's wisdom and God's leading. And that comes through relationship with the Lord. And most importantly, and, and this is something that as I've matured as a Christian, I've come to realize what Jesus did for us wasn't just the forgiveness of sins, which was huge. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to diminish that. But the whole benefit of the forgiveness of sins is to have an intimate relationship with the Lord, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to enter into the Holy of Holies and have that intimacy with God. And as, I, as I've as i matured as a Christian and as I understand this more, I realize what a relationship with God really looks like. And the religious spirit is working against that in so many different ways. I see it in, prevalent in so many different things today, Christians criticizing Christians, I um, be on guard, <laughs> and I'm saying this in all seriousness, against you know the the I will call them social media uh, Bible teachers, and I'm not saying that to be critical. I'm saying that to say I I get on these social media platforms and I see well intentioned but mis misguided people criticizing other Christians or other churches or other you know belief systems than theirs. And their criticism is not only unbiblical, the parable of the weed and the wheat, which is a different topic for a different time, but it's not, they're not even judging people based on the things we're supposed to be judging them on. And in judging is not even the right word. Jesus says, do not judge for, for with the same measure that you judge, you will also be judged. But what they're doing is, is we're called to judge a tree by its fruit. And it's amazing to me because rather than look at the fruit of these people's lives, they're they're criticizing them based on their understanding of the scripture, which is often when you put it in context, their understanding many times I have found the most critical people have some of the most out of context scriptural uses. I'll give you one example. And this is just bizarre and left wing. And I'm doing this just to kind of demonstrate what I'm talking about. One of the things that I, I saw once on a TikTok video, for example, and I'm not a big TikTok person. I'm not promoting social media. In fact, I discourage social media. I use it though to promote my stuff. And so I occasionally scroll through TikTok videos. And I saw this one video where this guy said that the concept of, of you know, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there being a, a time of, of stillness almost where you, you feel, you know, you just don't move. You don't speak. Some people call it being slain in the spirit. And I, I would, I'm not really trying to define it that way. I'm talking about just this overwhelming sense of God's presence, which just kind of quiets you that that is not biblical. And it's funny because the exact opposite is demonstrated in scripture. For example, when Jesus heals the boy after coming off of the Mount of Transfiguration, who the disciples tried to cast the demon out of him, when Jesus healed him, it says he laid there and looked almost dead for a little while until Jesus lifted him up. And then we also see other examples of Daniel. Uh, you know, when when Daniel was praying and the Holy Spirit came upon him and 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 you know took him and began to show him the different revelations in the book of Daniel. Daniel said, "I fell prostrate before the Lord and I couldn't move." And we you know we actually see the 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 
idea of us being so overwhelmed by God's presence that we, we almost are at a loss for words and motion. And we just kind of sit in his presence overwhelmed initially that is actually backed up in scripture. And so this uh, well-intentioned person gets on TikTok and says, if, if you are quote unquote slain in the spirit, that's not biblical. And I'm like, actually kid, <laughs> let me pull out biblical examples of that, that disprove over and over again, what you're saying. And he was taking a scripture out of context to va- validate that. So I say this to say that the spirit of religion, which would seek to create rules and p- push you into a knowledge of God rather than a relationship with God is prevalent in today's world. And, and it really bothers me. And I, I watch really great Christian leaders being criticized online, people who've influenced my life tremendously, but I see the fruit of the spirit in their life. Peace patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, the things that demonstrate somebody whose life is surrendered to God. And there are truly false teachers out there. I don't want to say that they're not out there and that we shouldn't, we should not teach the vulnerable to be weary of them. Uh, There are false teachers out there and I'm not going to name them because this is the very thing I despise, uh, but there are false teachers out there who, for example, fleece the flock. And what does that mean in non-Christianese language? That means that they take advantage of the weak and, and they say, give all your money to God. And which means me, (laughs) right? Give all your money to me and God's going to bless you. And then these people drive very fancy cars and they fly private jets and they misrepresent God entirely by becoming wealthy people, which is kind of the opposite of what God leads us into as a Christian life. That doesn't mean that you won't have money as a Christian, but when you understand if God blesses somebody financially, what the purpose of that is, it's not so you can become richer. It's so that you can do more for his kingdom. You're a steward of whatever he gives you. So yes, there are false teachers out there, but you know, identifying false teaching should be more about looking at the fruit of somebody's life rather than, uh, I'm not saying that there aren't people who take the scripture out of context. And, and yes, it's important to, I just gave you an example of somebody who took this scripture out of context. It's important to understand that, but here's the real key. Paul says in the book of first Corinthians chapter 13, which we all know is the love chapter, What a lot of people miss squeezed into the love chapter is Paul says, I only see in part, I only know in part, and I only understand in part. Now I want you to pause and think about that for a second. The man who wrote half of the new Testament, more than half of the new Testament says, I only see in part, I only know in part, and I only understand in part. When we are quick to judge somebody else based on things that God did not tell us to judge on, then we put ourselves in a position superior to Paul. (laughs) Okay. And again, false teachings are real. We should be weary of them. We should, but it is, should be through the spirit of discernment. It should be through the leading and wisdom of the Holy Spirit that we judge a tree by its fruit. And we see "Mm, this person's fruit is not consistent with what the Bible said the fruit of somebody walking with God would look like. Therefore, I choose not to eat from this fruit. And I would advise other less vulnerable, less knowing, maybe, maybe younger Christians not to eat from that fruit. See the difference? There's a subtle difference there. And, and I say this, you know, this was a long intro and I didn't mean for it to be so long. Shocking. I got about, I got, <laughs> I got to talking, but I say this to say my heart is to do the opposite. I don't want to increase your knowledge of God. I want to increase your desire to draw close to God. There's a difference. And that doesn't, it's not always an emotional thing. There are times when I sense God's presence and it elicits emotional reactions. There are times when I sense God's presence and there is no emotional reaction. And then there are times I don't sense God's presence, but I know that he's with me because of, you know, because I choose to, to, to see his goodness in my life. And so experiencing God isn't, isn't always emotional. It's not formulaic. It always doesn't look the same way, but it doesn't change my heart to be closer, to draw closer to God. And that is really why I do this. I do this because I want to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. I want to encourage you to draw closer to him. I want to encourage you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to hear from the Holy Spirit, be led by him, by him, learn from him, love him, build that relationship with him. One of the best books of the Bible that demonstrates this is the book of Song of Solomon. And I remember I've been plagued with the religious spirit most of my life. I I don't talk a lot about all the things I've been exposed to as a Christian, but I have been exposed to everything from extraordinarily, um, I don't know how to describe it. I don't want to use the Christianese language to describe this. I could, but I don't want to. But people who, who 
have a very dry religious, go to church, do your good deeds, behavior-based Christianity. I've been exposed to that in, in massive amounts to the opposite extreme where I have seen things like the untrue teachings of the prosperity gospel or the seeker-friendly gospel, which are our misinterpretations and false teachings of the scripture. I have been exposed to all of that in my Christian walk. I do not come to you from a place of being naive and, and unaware of how the world works. And I remember one time uh, I was talking about how I read the book, you know, the Lord showed me, I guess is a better way of saying it, the book of Proverbs chapter 31 to be a depiction of how it's not just talking about a, a wife, but we are the bride of Christ, how, who we should be here on earth. And I remember somebody saying, Tiana, don't over-spiritualize the Bible. And I, I remember at that age, I was a young, I was a young girl, I was a teenager at the time when somebody said that to me. And I remember thinking to myself, can one over-spiritualize a spiritual book? <laughs> like, right? And yes, you can. You can take things out of context. And the New Age movement certainly has done this. But in that case, I'm not <laughs> taking it out of context. And there are many other Bible scholars whose fruit demonstrates the fruit of the Holy Spirit who have also said, yes, that is a depiction of the bride of Christ and who we are to be here on earth. And so some would say that about the book of Song of Solomon. It's a literal book about Solomon and his bride. But I contend, and I also believe the other Bible scholars that I have, I, I again see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life. I don't value what somebody says they have studied about God. And, you know, this is demonstrated for us. And I wasn't planning on talking about this. So I'm just kind of on a sidewall. This is demonstrated for us in Isaiah chapter 29. And God says to, he says to the people, he says, these people come near to me with their mouths. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules. They have been taught. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish and the intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. In other words, what God is saying here in this section is don't get, don't get blinded by man's wisdom. I look at the heart and you know, that's why I'm not saying that seminary isn't great. I'm not saying that m tremendous men and women of faith have come out of seminary. That is not, I'm not criticizing it, but I'm saying that is not God's standard, nor should it be your standard for trusting someone. You should always trust in God in someone and you should trust that through the fruit of their life. In other words, you see the you see the evidence of God in their lives. That is how we as Christians are called to know the difference between truth and lies, wisdom and the unwise. That is how we are called to distinguish the difference. So I realized it was a little bit a little bit of a tangent, but to to go back to what I was saying about the book of Song of Solomon. The book of Song of Solomon and the people, like I said, who I see the fruit of the spirit in their lives talk about how the book of Song of Solomon is really a, a metaphor between the bride of Christ, us, the church and Jesus. And one of the best translations to read it in is the passion translation. Again, I know a lot of people who criticize mostly from the religious side, the, the passion translation, you have to keep in mind, it is one man's translation. And so I, I always keep it next to my scripture and, and double check it. But the passion translation shows that beautiful relationship between, between Jesus and his bride. I, I love, 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 love that song of Solomon in the passion translation. So that is my heart for you. My heart for you is that you have a relationship with God that reflects the love and the intimacy that Jesus bought for you on the cross, that Jesus gave to you on the cross, that Jesus is calling us into as his children. It is, it is a love of righteousness, of faith, of holiness, of hope, of tenderness, of compassion, of mercy. God talks so much about his mercy and compassion. And sometimes I think we see just a God of vengeance in the scripture. But if you actually if you read the word of God in its entirety, you will see a God of love and mercy and compassion. He says, I do not take delight in, in destroying the wicked. He says that. <laughs> so I just wanted to start off with that because it's always important, I think, to start off my intent. I realize I kind of went in a lot of different directions there in the beginning. But, you know, again, this the, the purpose of this podcast is I'm just sharing my heart with you. So with that said, let's, uh, let's invite the Holy Spirit into this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> a little less Tiana. May I decrease, Lord, so that you can increase. And then let's jump into what we're going to talk about today, which is 
the value system of the world versus God's value system. And it's, I've spent a lot of time preparing for this because this is a big topic. We're not going to cover even 10% of it today, but I wanted to cover bits of it today because I think this is the word of encouragement we need today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your precious, precious word. Lord, I just invite you into this conversation right now. Lord, you say in Peter, if anybody speaks, let him speak his speak with the words that God provides. And if anybody serves, let let him serve in the strength that God provides so that through all things, Christ Jesus may be praised. And Lord, I just ask that you would the Holy Spirit show up, lead this conversation. And Lord, those that are listening, I just pray that Lord, whatever word you have for them today, Father, that you would open their hearts and that you would plant these seeds or that this would be your word and your work. Lord, I pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. All right. So I mentioned right before the prayer that my purpose was to demonstrate where it's it's to talk about God's value system versus the world's. So why, why is it important to talk about this? And there's several reasons why this is an important topic. First of all, we're, we're entering into a new season. I think I've said this a dozen times. I'm going to keep saying it. Things are changing in the world. When you walk into this next season of life with the wrong value system, you're going to find yourself disappointed. And when you're disappointed, you're going to be discouraged. And if you're discouraged, you're not going to walk into everything that God has for you. So I want, I want to encourage you and show you that there are going to be things that don't look right according to the world's value systems that are on point according to God's value system. And then the other reason why this is an important topic is to understand this. As we go through the word of God and as we learn how God asks us to transform our lives, transform our thinking, transform our behavior, that all of these things that God asks us to abandon that are natural to us because we live on this planet in exchange for the things that he asks us to do are always leading us to his original intent and purpose for us. In other words, as you learn to, to, transform, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's leading you. It's, it's God is restoring you back to who he created you to be originally. Remember before the fall, Adam and God walked together. There was perfection there. There was, there was wholeness of relationship after the fall sin barred that way. And now after the crucifixion and the resurrection and through the sanctification of Jesus and the filling of the Holy spirit, we can get back to that restorative relationship with Adam. So our goal is to get back as close to the type of relationship God and Adam had here on earth as pos- as humanly possible. And that comes through surrendering to God. Right. And then that restores us back to our original intent. And as we get closer to who God created us to be, the more fulfilled we are because we're being made, we're, we're, we're operating according to our, to our operation system, our original design. So talking about values, you know, values are interesting. I talk about this a lot in my, in my coaching, which is mostly secular in nature. Uh, but some of my clients who I'm sure are listening to this will tell you that I can't stop talking about Jesus in my coaching sessions <laughs> because I know this much that the ultimate truth and the ultimate happiness and peace and joy is all found in him. But values, we are, we often pick up values from the, from the world around us. Our psychology is designed such that we absorb our values from around us, which is why in the book of Hebrews, it says, do not forsake meeting together. And why in the book of Romans, we're told to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, because God understands that our value system that we naturally are going to adopt will be the wrong value system until we are plugged into the vine. And then we are being fed from him. This is why the Psalms talk about meditating on the word of God day and night. This is why the Lord is trying to say, I need you to I need to completely reprogram your programming because my value system, my ways are not your ways. And so this is a, this is something we have to be aware of. We have to be conscientious of, Uh, you know, where am I evaluating the situations in my life or the circumstances based on the world's value system or God's value system? So I'm going to just hit a few of these topics. Honestly, we could be here for hours talking about the difference between God's values and ours. I wanted to hit a few of the high-level ones. And we're going to dig into a lot of scripture today, so I'm going to do my best to keep us on a steady pace. As I, as you guys can tell, I have no problem speaking probably faster than I should, but because I want to go through a lot of scripture to cover a couple of the main values that I wanted to talk about today. So 
Jesus tells us that the law and the prophets are summarized by these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and then love people. And the reason, again, Jesus says that these, the law and the prophet are summed up by these two things, because essentially, if you love God and you love people, everything else flows through those two things, right? And that's, you know, the message of the Bible is just how to, how to love God and how to love people. We're not going to talk about that today, but we're going to talk about what, what does it look like when you adopt a value of loving God and loving people? So we're going to start with loving people first. So if you will turn with me to Colossians chapter three. And we're going to go through verses 12. We're going to start at verse 12. Here's what Colossians tells us. The value system of the world is, I'm not reading right now, by the way, I just wanted to preface this. <laughs> so if you're going, this is not what Colossians says. <laughs> the value system of the world says, if you hurt me and if you offend me, I'm going to hold a grudge against you and I'm going to count it against you. But God's value system says, forgive unconditionally. And so this is, this is how Jesus talks about this a lot, but I wanted to talk about this. We're going to go through several scriptures, but I wanted to talk about this from the book of Colossians because I thought this was great. So Colossians 3.12 says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So the world's value system says if somebody hurts you, if somebody offends you, if somebody does something against you, then you should hold that grudge. You should, you should do something about it. You should get back at them. God's value system is very different. He says, love people unconditionally, clothe yourselves. I mean, how often do you see the world saying, yes, we definitely need to work more on compassion. We definitely need to work more on kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, there are counterfeit versions of those out there. Remember, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Satan masquerades as an angel of light, but the counterfeit versions say, I'm going to do this because it makes me look like a good person. God's version says, I'm going to do this because I love God and I'm going to honor him. Bear with one another and forgive one another. Here's the interesting thing about forgiveness. You, you only have the ability to forgive somebody if you've been wronged, first of all. So there has to be something that somebody has done against you for you to forgive them. <laughs> and second of all, forgiveness frees you from the burden of carrying their junk. Another way of saying it, love covers a multitude of sins. So one of the things that, you're, that we as Christians are going to have to become become good at doing is turning the other cheek. This doesn't mean that we allow ourselves to be abused or taken advantage of, but this does mean that when somebody does hurt us or take advantage of us, we let God be the one to deal with the situation and we forgive that person the same way that we were forgiven. Remember that Christ demonstrated his love for us in this, that he died while we were still sinners. And so that's why Jesus says, even in the Lord's prayer, father, help me to forgive those that have sinned against me as you've forgiven me. So forgiveness is one of those values where the world holds on to anger, bitterness, and, and hurt. And God says, let go of those things because I want to free you. It is for freedom that we have been set free, right? The other value, the other value that we are told to adopt as Christians that contradicts the world is the value of serving people and considering others better than ourselves. You see, in the world system, especially with social media, this is really hard, or, or even in the business world, the higher up your position is, the more you're honored. The more followers you have, the more people that adore you, the more famous you are, the better off you are. Jesus says the exact opposite. In fact, he demonstrated the exact opposite for us. This is such a hard thing for us to understand because that doesn't mean that God will not have popular people in, in positions that, that I, I'm not, I don't want to give the impression that uh, there will never be a famous Christian, but I'm going to tell you this much God's value system of serving and loving other people will not lead to the same type of fame that the world's value system of fame and popularity leads to. I'm not going to, again, go into too much detail, but 
there is a, a famous influencer. I'm going to be very vague about this person because I'm not trying to talk bad about somebody that God really blessed. And this person started off on the right track with the Lord. And as this person became more and more famous, they, they drew, they got further and further and further away from the Lord. I watched this journey over a couple of years happen. And I was so excited to see this person bringing the, the truth into the world. And then slowly as this person got more and more famous, they got further and further and further away from God's truth and eventually abandoned God altogether and made some very dangerous decisions. And what's been fascinating is this was, it's been about a year since this person truly just abandon their faith. And here's the way that Satan always works, by the way. If you believe his lie and you fall into his trap, then he's going to entice you with his lies. And then once he gets you, he's going to beat you up. And now this person thinking that they were going to get more popular and become more famous took on very unbiblical teachings and began to promote very uh, secular and dangerous teachings. And guess what happens when you start playing Satan game, Satan's games? He gets the bat out and starts beating. Now this person has lost all of their Christian followers. And because again, you when you're dealing with the world, it's not the same playing field that you're dealing with with God. Now this person is being criticized and ridiculed by the very people that, that they, they're pandering to. <laughs> And this person has literally lost hundreds of thousands of followers just in the past few weeks, because this is again, how it works. When you, when you follow Satan's plan or you follow the way of the world, the prince of the air, which is referencing Satan, then yeah, you're going to get the temporary benefit of what he gives you, but then you're also going to deal with the, the way that he's going to beat you up on the other side. And I'm watching this poor person and I'm praying for this person because I'm going, I really hope that God, that, that you surrender your heart to the Lord so you can show the world, oh my gosh, I bought this lie and look, it doesn't work out. And I, and I just, I'm praying that this person's story becomes a story of redemption because that was what happened to me. I believe Satan's lie. I followed his path and I, I ate the fruit of what I, I purchased. And it's not, it's not what you think it is. It, it is, very dangerous and very painful. And so to, to become somebody that wants to do more in the kingdom of God, you've got to become less. This is such a contradictory value, you know, cause we're told become more, promote yourself more, but God's saying, no, promote other people more, serve them more, think of yourself less. So let's go through a couple passages of scripture that really demonstrate this. So if you will turn with me to Luke chapter six, verse 27. He says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to, turn to them the other cheek. And if someone takes your coat, do not withhold giving them your shirt, give to everyone who asks of you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. And he keeps on going. So this is a long passage. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those who, to, from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. I'm going to say this again. He's talking about your enemies. Love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. God is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your heavenly Father is merciful. We are called when somebody when somebody offends us to turn the other cheek, we are called to give to people who don't deserve. We are called to show kindness and compassion. This is so contradictory to what we are, what, what our culture teaches, how we, how we, you know, are taught to think. Now, some of you may, may be saying, no, Tiana, I don't believe that. I've always believed in being a good person. And yes, I understand that there are counterfeit versions of their versions of this out there. We virtue signal very well in this country. And I understand that good people want to do good things, but even good people will easily turn their back on somebody who is an outcast of society and give praise to a, a celebrity who has done terrible things. <laughs> okay. So I'm just saying that the, the, this comes from a place of love and honoring God, not from a place of, I want to be a good person. Do you see the difference? The world does it because they want to be a good person. We do it because we love and honor God. And we want to, we want him to produce a fruit through our lives. Now let's look, let's go to Philippians chapter two. We're going to look at different ways of serving people. That's what all this is about. Philippians chapter two, and we're going to go through verse three. 
And there's a little long passage here we're going to go through. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. How many celebrities are valuing others above themselves? How many influencers are valuing others above themselves? Some of them are. I'm not saying they're not. I mean, look at John Maxwell, for example. Here's an example of a Christian influencer who truly demonstrates what it looks like to take God's values and put them into practice. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests. This isn't about you, but each of you to the interests of others. So this is this is how Paul talks demonstrates this. He says in verse five, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Listen, Jesus, who was the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, son of the most high came to earth and said, you know what? I'm not going to let my kingship, my Lordship, the fact that I am literally your creator and your salvation, and the author and perfecter of your faith and salvation, I'm not going to let that be be something to use to his own advantage. Jesus did not use his authority to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, and that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is not the world's value system to place other people above yourself, to honor other people, to take whatever semblance of importance you have and say, I am un- I am unimportant compared to you. It's interesting. I mentioned John ba- Maxwell earlier because I participated in his transformation table, which is a part of his change your world program. And in that he talks about valuing other people. And he says, imagine, you, you know, your goal should be, I guess, a better way of saying it. Your goal should be to look at everybody else and say, they have more worth than me. How differently would you operate through your day? If every person you looked at, you said, I'm going to value you above myself. I'm not going to put my interest above you, but I'm going to see you as better than myself because that's how God sees them. Remember, it's not the healthy who need the doctor. It's the sick. Jesus went to the outcast, to the unwanted in society. This is where we have to adopt God's value system over the world's value system. Because as we pray, father, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have to operate from a different a different operating system. All right, one more scripture to back this up. Let's go to Matthew chapter 20. And we're going to go to verses 26 through 28. Jesus says, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Loving people means doing things contrary to what we see in the world around us. Now, here's the beautiful thing. We are new creations in Christ. And so when we truly embrace that and we allow God to fill us with his Holy Spirit, we are plugged into the vine. Then he gives us this nature through prayer, through allowing him to work out the yuck in our lives. This can become our nature. That doesn't mean that we won't be tempted by sin. That doesn't mean we won't sin. But if we pray and we seek the Lord and say, teach me how to love people, teach me how to serve them, then this will be the nature that God transforms in us. But this is how we advance the kingdom of God through God's value system, not the world's value system. Now, these are kind of low hanging fruit. We're going to go a little bit deeper. I'm going to get a little bit more, a little bit deeper. So this is kind of the prequel to what I really wanted to dig into with you guys today, which is the second thing I started off by saying, Jesus said, love the Lord and love people. So now we're going to get to what the love of the Lord looks like. This isn't about how to love the Lord, but what I want to talk about in this section is what it looks like when you love the Lord not comprehensive, but just encouragement on a few things to help us rethink and and check in our value system and say, is this the value system that I'm leading my life with? Have I allowed the Lord and the Holy Spirit to, to transform my heart into these things, right? I'm not saying I'm there. I'm saying I'm on this journey of asking the Lord to make me this person. And so again, I, I share this with you to say, join me on this journey. Let's grow in Christ. Let's grow in our intimacy with him. So 
loving the Lord with all our hearts means that we have to put a higher value on what God thinks of us than what man thinks of us. This is really hard, especially because we live in a world where what people think of us not only is deeply ingrained in our psychology, but it's also deeply entrenched in our society. If you want a promotion for a job, you have to get people to like you. If you want your social media platform to grow, you have to get people to like you. We have this intrinsic need for people to like us. But the reality is, is that we should transform that value of wanting people to like us into wanting to love God and honor him above what people think over the opinions of man. Because here's the truth. Your income comes from God. Yes, you are supposed to be faithfully doing what God's called you to do. Psalm 90, Lord, give us the work of our hands. But everything that you have has been given to you and you are steward of everything that God gave you. And so that's why Matthew chapter six says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else is added to you. The parable of the, sh- of the shrewd manager and the parable of the talents, so many different ways God shows us and Jesus teaches us that everything that he's given us, we are a steward of. And so the same is true for your reputation. <laughs> now, here's where, here's where you got to be careful. This is where being led by the spirit is important because I've known people who have recklessly ruined their reputation in a religious spirit, but not a, not because they're being spirit led. So what I'm saying to you in this is if God asks you to do something that seems a little bit different than what people are saying is acceptable, but you know, in your heart that this is what the Holy spirit is leading you to do, do it (laughs) because Paul says, am I now trying to win the approval of man? No. I'm, I belong to God and I've given my life to God. So therefore I'm only trying to win his approval. That's part of, by the way, what Jesus says when he says, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Because when you truly understand what that means to give your life to the Lord, then all the things that you carry with you, your need to worry about your income and your need to worry about your relationships and your need to worry about your social status and this and this and this, those become Non, non-issues of yours, because then all you have to worry about is serving God. There's simplicity and beauty in that, just giving it to him. A- another way of saying this, and I love, I love this. I heard a pastor say this one time. He, he, and this is during the COVID. And I think I may have mentioned this before. He, he was told by his local municipality that he had to close his church. And I know a lot of people say that, you know, the Bible says that you're supposed to obey the rulers, uh, but what this pastor and the argument he made, and I'm not trying to make this argument. This is just a separate argument. I'm giving you the context of the story I'm about to tell you. You know, he says he believes based on the constitution that it was unconstitutional for his local government to tell him he had to close his church. And so he doesn't believe that he was violating, you know, the, the, the commandment in the book of Romans to, you know, to obey our rulers and authorities. And so I apologize, by the way, for my snuffling. I it's in case anybody who lives in South Carolina knows what I'm talking about. It is pollen season here. (laughs) And if you've never lived through pollen season in the South, it's something else. And so I am so sorry. I am trying my best not to allow my sniffles to come through, but I, I, they are, please, please don't let them detract from what I'm, (laughs) what the Lord's, what we're, what we're talking about here. So anyway, what the pastor was saying is as he was praying about what the right thing to do was, and he just sensed that God said, I want you to keep your church open regardless of what the consequences are. And again, am I trying to win the approval of man or God? Now, some pastors said, I'm going to close the church because I believe that this is how God wants me to honor. It, it was individual for each pastor. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong, but when he talked to, when this pastor talked to his attorney and said, what are the consequences of me keeping my church open? And the, the attorney went through everything. And the pastor said he had this realization as he was listening to this, he said, nothing can be taken away from me that I've already given away. In other words, if you've given your life away to the Lord, then everything in your life belongs to him and nothing that is in your life belongs to you anymore because you gave it to the Lord. So if it's taken away from you, it's not really taken away from you. It's taken away from God. <laughs> you see the difference there? And I thought that was really profound. I thought that was a good way to think about it. So loving the Lord with all your heart as we're talked as we're taught in several different passages means that we're going to have to forsake and abandon and be okay with people not liking us and accepting us. In fact, we're almost guaranteed and promised that at some point we're going to be disliked because of the gospel. So let's look at a couple of those passages because I want to encourage you if you are if you have been persecuted or if you're worried about it, 
don't, because this is actually kind of what it's supposed to look like. Now, this doesn't mean you bring it on yourself. I'm not talking about being one of these weirdos that Bible bashes people in a corner and asks for it because they're acting like morons. I'm talking about being a spirit-filled Christian, doing things that God is asking you to do that are going to rub against the, the darkness, right? That are going to cause friction. So if you will turn with me to John chapter 15, and we're going to start in verse 18. Jesus says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. <laughs> and Jesus goes on in that passage, and I would encourage you to finish reading uh, through verse 21. Because Jesus is saying, you're going to face the same thing I face. They put me on a cross. <laughs> and and it's, it's hard to understand that as Christians because we, you know, the, the Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. For those of us who are not perishing, it is, it is our breath of life. It is their word. It is our sustenance. And so to think that it's so offensive to so many people, it's just because sometimes we forget that our sin nature isn't fighting the Bible anymore. Because we've been, we've been given a new nature. That doesn't mean we don't sin, but we've been given a new nature. And so our nature longs for the word of God, whereas the sin nature is in contrary to the word of God. Another place this is talked about, if you will turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, verse 13. And John, again, um, this is the same John that wrote the book of John. He says, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. <laughs> and by the way, John's story, he's also the author of the book of Revelation. So he wrote the book of John, book of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. And if you know this, the history behind the book of Revelation, he wrote that while he was exiled on an island. Um, and rumor has it, that he would, they tried to boil him alive and it didn't work out. So instead they decided to exile him to silence him. <laughs> because one of the things that we learn is when we walk in obedience to God and, and we do what's asked of us and the world doesn't like it, God always shows up and blesses us. It's, it's funny because I love this story. This comes from the book of Acts chapter four. And in this story, in the book of Acts chapter four, Peter and John are walking into the temple and there was, sorry, this actually starts in chapter three. And then in verse four, it picks up the story here. They, there's a crippled man sitting outside the gates and Peter says, I don't have money to give you, but I'll give you this in the name of Jesus be healed. And so he stands up and starts dancing around and this causes thousands of new Christians to come to faith. And so it's late at night when this happens. And so the, the religious leaders take Peter and John and they throw him in jail and so this is in verse in, in Acts chapter four, verse three, they seized Peter and John because it was evening and they put them in jail till the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men grew, who believed grew to about 5,000. So we've now got thousands of believers coming out of this one miracle. And so it goes on to say, you know, where now the high priest, uh, bring, you know, brings out Peter and John, they talk to them and they realize we can't do anything to these guys. Cause there's too many people rioting right now. So we're just going to tell them not to speak in the name of the Lord anymore. And so they, so now we're at verse 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which do you think is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. So Peter and John are like, yeah, yeah, not so much. We're going to do what God tells us to do, not what you tell us to do. <laughs> and by the way, this is the religious people that they're speaking against. So I just, you know, again, kind of going back to what I was starting off earlier, the religious spirit is powerful in this country. The, the, the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees has not, you know, the, the leaven of the Pharisees still exists today. That same religious spirit still, still exists oh, in English, still exists today. And so, you know, it, it is just as much an enemy as, as any other enemy, you know, that we see out there, but I love this. So they release Peter and John and Peter and John go back. So on 20 verse 23 on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And so they, they prayed, they pray to the Lord and they worship him. And it says, 
Here, after they get done praying, verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. <laughs> so what, what happens as a result of Peter and John saying, you know what? We're not going to listen to the rulers. We're not going to do what we're told. We're going to do what God tells us to do. The Holy Spirit comes out in more power and, and it, even more people get saved. So I say this to say that expect that your message when you're being led by the Holy Spirit will affect, will offend the religious people. I know this is one of the hardest things for people to understand when, when they come out in the Christian world and they get hurt worse by Christians than they do by the secular world. Keep in mind, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me on that day, Lord, Lord, there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians that are not filled with God's spirit and not being led by the spirit of God, but are being led by a religious spirit. And so I say this to encourage you, if you've ever been hurt by another Christian, as a Christian filled with God's spirit, I'm going to hurt people unintentionally. And so that's why I need forgiveness just as much as I need to forgive. So well-intentioned people can hurt people, but also people under the wrong spirit can hurt people. And that is both in the secular world, as well as people who call themselves Christians. And so just keep that in mind that it was the religious people still persecuting, uh, still persecuting early Christians. All right. So when we love God, going back to the value system, we're going to be asked to do things that make us not popular with people, which is a contradictory value because the world tells us you want more people to like you and you want to be liked. God tells us love people, love your enemies, and it doesn't matter what they think about you. Do what I'm asking you to do and you will have treasures in heaven. And if you're persecuted, I'm going to show up. Like, I love that story in the book of Acts because the Holy Spirit shows up even more powerfully after Peter and John say to the high priest, we're not going to worry about pleasing you. We're going to worry about pleasing God. So when you love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, you put less value in what people think of you and more value in what God thinks of you. The other thing that as Christians we're called to do is not not focus on instant gratification or rewards on this side of heaven, but focus on eternal rewards. This is going to be how we wrap up today because I want to spend some time on this because there's a, a lot of, a lot I want to say about this because this I think is the biggest thing for us to understand as we're going through this life. And as we're surrendering ourselves to the Lord and as we're giving up earthly things for heavenly things, and as we're learning to love people, learning to forgive, learning to think of them more highly than ourselves, learning to serve them, learning to not care about their approval, but seek God's approval more than man's approval. As we're learning to adopt God's value system over the world's value system, we're going to, we're going to be in uncomfortable places. This is what faith looks like, right? This is faith without deeds is dead, James tells us. But what he's saying is that you're taking what you believe to be true and you're living it out even when you don't necessarily see the immediate fruit of that. And we're going to talk about that when we go through Hebrews chapter 11 here in just a second. But we are saying to ourselves, I'm not living for instant gratification. I'm living for delayed gratification. This is so contrary to the, what we are taught in the world today. This is a huge difference in value. Pornography is instant gratification. Being faithful and married and in, in honoring God's word about marriage and love is what delayed gratification looks like. Getting online and feeling the need for people to like you and getting all the likes that you can versus saying, I'm going to put more, more trust and more joy in what God says of me than what people say of me is delayed gratification versus instant gratification. This is, this is a huge, huge disconnect between the world's value system and God's value system. D instant gratification is dangerous. That is why God rarely uses instant gratification. Sometimes he does, but rarely does he use it because it is how Satan keeps people addicted to his lies, instant gratification. And there are times again, where instant gratification isn't a bad thing, but it's not typically how God works. And you'll see in stories like Joseph and Moses and Daniel, that God, God gives these people vision and promise, but it's years later, once he has conformed them, Abraham, once he has conformed them, that ultimately then he gives them the things he promises them. If they even see it, this side of eternity, some don't, by the way, some, some never receive their promise this side of eternity. So I want to read, I want to talk about this idea of storing yourself treasures in heaven. And I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. Like I said, I really love this translation. 
And we are going to be in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Now just listen to this because if you, unless you have a passion, it's going to sound a little bit different, but this concept's the same thing. It's just same idea, just slightly different words. Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen, will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. Where your heart, where, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. That's another way of saying it. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. But if your eyes are more focused on money, the light cannot penetrate the darkness and the light cannot penetrate and the darkness takes its place. How profound will be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? I'm going to read that again because this is a really good understanding of what Jesus is talking about in this passage. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound will be the darkness within you if the light cannot, the light of truth cannot enter? How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. This is what it means to store up yourself treasures in heaven. It means to say, I, I'm going to abandon my love of the world. I'm going to abandon my love of things of this world for my heavenly world, for my heavenly father and for my heavenly calling. Does this mean that money is bad? The love of money, yes. The love of money is bad. You have to remember, we are steward, stewards of everything that God gives us. And so if he gives you money, he gave it to you to be a steward, to use it for his kingdom. That doesn't mean that you can't have some nice things, but if, if you place a higher value on having nice things and comfort than you do in doing the things that God has asked you to do, where is your heart? Where is your treasure? This is why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And I'm going to talk about this for just a second, because I have been reading, rereading, I should say, A.W. Tozer books this past couple of weeks. And I was introduced to A.W. Tozer as a teenager. I read his book, The Pursuit of God, which profoundly changed my life as a teenager. And I just reread it and finished it a couple nights ago. And I love that book, by the way. If you have not read The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, I strongly recommend it. One of the things that Tozer talks about in that book is what it means to be poor in spirit. And ultimately what he says, and this is so profound, he said, being poor in spirit means that there's nothing in this world that you love more than God and nothing in this world that you are not willing to give to him. You are truly, he, he is everything to you. That's what being poor in spirit means. And I'm doing a terrible job paraphrasing what it, he does. He talks about in this book so profoundly, but that's the gist of what he gets to. And he does a great job you know, walking you through this beautiful journey of what it would be, you know, what, what your life would look like and how your heart should surrender to the Lord in these things. This is so contrary to the world that says, gain wealth, gain money, gain, gain all these things. But Jesus is saying, these things are temporary. They have no eternal value. Instead, use them for the kingdom of God. This is the story of the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and says, I've kept all the commandments. Now, what should I do? And Jesus says, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And he went away sad because he was very wealthy. And that's when Jesus said, it is harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Why? Because they love the comforts of this world so much. And so my heart to you, my encouragement to you, and in the value that we should say is, is it okay to be comfortable? Yes. I, you, you know, there are going to be some people that, that are in poverty that, that will have, you know, huge treasures in heaven because they, because they had less to abandon to the Lord. That's not saying having nice things is bad, but it's saying that when you have, when your nice things mean more to you than your relationship to God, then, then you're, you're, you're missing the mark. You're, you're missing the abundance that God has for you and the, in the real life that he wants to open you up to. And that's going to segue into what I want to talk about here as we close up this discussion on values in Hebrews chapter 11. I love Hebrews chapter 11. I could, I could read this chapter over and over again. And I want to talk about Abraham and Hebrews chapter 11 talks a lot about Abraham because there's two things about Abraham that are really profound. First of all, he was willing to lay Isaac on the altar, poor in spirit, even though Isaac was his promise, long awaited promise, by the way, 
Abraham waited years and years and years for Isaac, even created an Ishmael in between. (laughs) Even though this was the promise that Abraham had waited a long time for, when God said, I want you to put him on the altar and, and kill him and give him to me, Abraham was willing to do it because that was Abraham's way of saying, I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and with all my strength. Abraham was not willing to withhold anything from God. That is our father our earthly father, that that is the, that is the example that we've been given because Abraham was faithful in that heart attitude towards God. God says, I will make you the father of many nations. And for those of you listening today that have given your life to Jesus, we are children. We are physical children of Abraham. One day we're going to get to heaven and Abraham is going to see the multitudes of children that he was given through the promise of God, because Abraham loved God more than anything else. He held nothing back, nothing back from God. That is the example that we've been given as, as human beings. That is the example that we've been given. And he is our spiritual father as a result. So Hebrews chapter 11, remember it says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then in verse eight, it says by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his, as his inheritance obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. There is no faith in the comfort zone. You're going to have to do things you don't see and you don't understand. And you do them for one reason and one reason alone, because you love God and you, and you know, he's good and you trust him. This is what loving God looks like, right? By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Again, Sarah put her faith in God. And so from this one man, He, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Now, here's the important part about this. Going back to storing your treasures in heaven. All of these people were still living by faith when they died. They they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they left, which is the world, what we gave up when we became Christians, then they would have had the opportunity to return. This is why Jesus said you have to anybody who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom of God. We have we have accepted a new, we have accepted a new citizenship. We are now citizens of heaven, thinking and working towards the kingdom to which we actually belong. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I go and prepare a room for you, for in my father's house there are many, many rooms. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. Okay. So it goes on to talk about more, more, uh, you know, heroes of faith continuing through Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to start in verse 39 again. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us so that they only together with us would be made perfect. So in other words, our heroes in faith, they're wait, we're waiting for that time when we're all together and, and together with us, they would be made perfect. So this is now the next thing. This is, this is the key. This is what it all boils down to. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Let us throw off everything, not just some of the things, not just most of the things. Let us throw off everything that easily entangles and let us run, excuse me, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the cross set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God at the right hand of the throne of God considered him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart 
There's a lot packed into that. Jesus endured the cross because he looked forward to this heavenly city and he looked forward to us, his reward, his bride. Jesus held nothing back from us. He paved the way he showed us the example. This is what it means to store up for yourself treasures in heaven. This is why we have to adopt heaven's value system and not God's value system, or excuse me, and not the world's value system. God's value system and heaven's value system are going to look very different than the world's. And the, the more that we allow this to become a part of our core being, the more that we allow the Holy Spirit to minister this to us and we think like this and, and we throw off everything that hinders and we throw off the sin that so easily entangles and we fix our eyes on Jesus and we love people and we forgive them and we serve them and we think of them greater than us and we accept the persecution and we rejoice and we praise the Lord for the things in his life that he sends to to teach us, to grow us, to discipline us, to prune us, all of these things, if we, if we accept and understand that God is more concerned about our eternity than our temporary, and we, and we understand that everything that happens to us in this life is overseen by God's goodness, especially if we've given our lives to the Lord and it doesn't feel good and it doesn't look good. And it's contradictory to what the Lord, to what the world calls success, but it's, it is exactly what God calls success. Be okay with that. Accept that. Celebrate that. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you, and I've said this before, as the season changes, as the time changes, we are going to stand out more and more from the world. We are going to look more and more different from the world. And it's, it's going to be difficult to stand confidently and comfortably and in the faith that we're called to stand in if we are still adopting the world's value system because we're going to feel torn in two different places but if if we have the value system of the world and as the world looks just bizarre around us <laughs> you know as, as as our circumstances look different than what we think of success based on the world standards if if we don't embrace and accept and appreciate that God's going to work through our lives differently than, than the world says success looks like, then we're going to be dis- discouraged and frustrated. But if we accept that the way that God says things look, that the meek will inherit the kingdom of earth, that those who truly surrender themselves to the Lord, that those who abandon everything to him, to those who lay their Isaacs down on the altar, to those who love and serve people unconditionally, to those who forgive unconditionally, to those who make God their God, to those who look forward to our heavenly kingdom who say my citizenship is not here on earth anymore, but I'm going to do everything here on earth to bring glory to God and to bring his kingdom and come and his will be done on earth. As we, as we do this, then we're going to, then, then we're going to not only be worthy of the lamb. And again, we're not worthy because of our own, but I, I still believe that there should be a heart in all of us who says, I want to be a bride worthy of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus, I give you permission to transform me into that beautiful bride. And we have that relationship with the Lord. Not only can we have a great impact on people's lives, but as the storms come, because our, our foundation is on the rock, because we've built our house upon the rock and not upon the sand, when the storms come and they will come, we will not be shaken. We will be prepared. And when things look bad, Peter and John are thrown into prison. Paul and Silas are thrown into prison. Stephen is stoned. When things look bad, God does miracles. He pours out his Holy Spirit. It's amazing because when you read in, in a few chapters later in the book of Acts, when Stephen is stoned, it says Paul is standing at, at the feet of the stoning of Stephen, giving approval, and then the disciples are scattered. And what does the very next chapter say? But because the disciples were scattered, the word of God began to be spread. So w- when, the, when the world's circumstances look bad, We have to remember that God's in control. His value system is not our value system. And we just touched a few of those things. We're to operate on totally different rules, but when we're obedient to that, God is faithful. He will, if anybody serves, serve in the strength that God provides. He will provide the strength that we need to get through this. This is a long podcast. Thank you guys for, for sticking with me on this. I know I went in a lot of different directions, but we got a lot going on in the world today. There's a lot of things we're dealing with. And they all weigh heavily on my heart and mind. And as much as I try to skinny this down to one topic, it's hard to do that, but it's a podcast. So you can pause me and mute me, <laughs> but most importantly, pray, pray and ask the Lord to give you discernment, to conform you into his image, to transform you, get in the word of God, spend time in the word of God every day. You need that manna from heaven every day. Ask the Holy spirit to fill you, to lead you. 
and surrender everything to him. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, my brothers and sisters, whatever you give to the Lord, whatever you give to him, he will take and he will produce a crop with it. There's nothing you're going to give up that will not be greater in return for having given it up. And do not, do not be deceived by the world. Do not buy into the world's false value system. Uh, as I mentioned, the influencer earlier, do not, do not be led astray for temporary success because there's only bitterness at the end of it. That's, that's really what the weep, weeping and gnashing of teeth is. It's just a deep sense of regret of how did I miss this? You know, Jesus talks about that. I will say away from you, you evildoer, and you will be thrown out where they're weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is not God torturing them. That is the torment of the soul of saying, how did I miss this? Why did I miss this? Why did I place the value in the wrong things? I knew better and I didn't do what I was supposed to do because I was deceived or I placed a higher value on my own, my own self-satisfaction, my own comfort, rather than just trusting that God had something greater for me if I was willing to give it to him. And by the way, I can tell you this, that the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. Yes, we're going to have to walk through difficult things. Yes, there is no faith in the comfort zone. Yes, you're going to have to get out of yourself and get over yourself. But I can promise you this, God's grace is sufficient. He will be there with you every step of the way. He will be leading you with peace. I promise you that nobody who suffered for the name of Christ ever did it without God's grace over their lives. And so rejoice in these things. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you love us, that you are an abundant God who wants to bring us into abundance, whether it's on this side of eternity, on the other, Lord, whatever you've given us, may we be good stewards of it, Lord. Holy Spirit, just come into our lives, fill us, overflow with us. Lord, may we have ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, just make us all that you have for us. And Lord, most importantly, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, podcasts are going to be released on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. Unless that changes, I'll let you know. But again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I do appreciate you joining me on this journey. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Made to Conquer. Please be sure to subscribe leave a review, and tell your friends and family, anyone else you think would enjoy joining us on this journey of drawing closer to Jesus.